Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? There's a, I've changed my tone to urgent. This is my urgent tone. How's it going? How are you doing? Urgency. Take a breath. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. Breathe it out. Let's do a little of that. All right, everybody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Take a breath. All the way in. All the way. Oh, go ahead and cry if you have to. I I might. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. I can't even take a deep breath. I mean, I've been avoiding the deep breaths. Clearly. Hold on. Let me. <laughs> fuck. Hold on. Oh, no. It's right there, man. It's right there. Oh, man. I'm holding. I, I'm holding it in. I'm holding some of it in. Sorry. Let it out. Everybody all right? Okay. So today on the show. Uh, I talked to Seth Rogen. Now, Seth Rogen has been on before, yes. The first appearance he was on with uh, Goldberg. What's that guy's name? Is it Evan Goldberg, his partner? So they were on here together. This is Seth alone. And I have to, uh, I have to, you know, say that there is a trigger warning. Um, If you don't like Jews, you're going to get triggered. If if you're anti-Semitic, you're, this this is going to definitely trigger you. It's very Jewy talk. It might be the most Jewy talk we've ever had on the show. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, but it's the first time Seth has been on since 2014. And we had already covered a lot about his life and his early career on that episode. And uh, so that means I had to, uh, to, I had to you know, figure out some stuff. And he just made this very Jewy movie. Uh, it's called the American Pickle. Like it's almost throwback Jewy. It, it's it's a movie that is so Jewy you would think it was the '70s again when the Jews and understanding Jewish comedy and uh, Jews were sort of out in the world and 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 the dictators of a certain amount of culture back in the day. This feels like it could have fit there a bit. It's that Jewy. You know, back when you know you know. Uh, Philip Roth used to appear on talk shows and Norman Mailer. Yeah. Bernard Malmud. So that's going to happen, man. 
we're going to do the Jew thing. Tomorrow I'm going to go get another COVID test because, you know, that's a fun thing to do. So I go into an amusement park. You go uh, park, you know, you get online in your car and you, you go through, very slowly go through a series of streets and turns and then you end up in the Dodger Stadium parking lot and then there's a video with the mayor and then you're given some things, some fun things to spit in and then you give it to another guy with a mechanical claw and then he gives it to you with a mechanical claw and then at the end you throw it into another thing and um, and then in two days later they email you the good or bad news. Very exciting way to spend an afternoon. I am fighting back the darkness. I'm trying to fight back the darkness. But I tell you, man, <laughs> it's hard as Jews when you kind of feel the fascism coming. And anybody, any of you Republicans that you know still listen to me, who used to just like what I do and then thought I got too political and thought I was, you know, I was exaggerating the possibilities of authoritarianism. Well, look what happened. Who was wrong? You. Uh, I'm not saying I told you so, but uh, I told you so. I want to be able to say it while I still can uh, before there are, you know, jackboot thugs coming into the garage. I told you so. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, you can't. Hey. Before that, not going live. So the odds of that are tricky. They'd have to be listening outside. But, you know, Jews historically, I think, have sort of a radar for it. The fucking thing is, is that a radar? What do you mean? Like, I have Judar, sure. But do we have a little sensitivity to fascism? Who doesn't? Other than the people that are like, well, it won't be that bad, right? It's just going to be us. What? Of course. Well, what about your neighbors? I don't know them. We don't know them. That's a big question, right? How desperate does your neighbor who doesn't like the way you think have to be to kill you because he doesn't like the way you think if he's allowed, encouraged, or assigned that task? How desperate? At what level of dehumanization are we with everybody and how we take in information and how we see other people how how desperate does your neighbor have to be to kill you if he's allowed to because of the way you think we're kind of pushing back on china shutting that out creating that situation to the point where you know my idiot father who watches onn when I asked him what he thought of the pandemic, he said, uh, well, we got we to gotta get back at China. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he said, we're allowed to have a difference of opinion. And I'm like, that's not an opinion. That just sounds stupid and I'm embarrassed and I can't respect you anymore if you're going to just regurgitate garbage that you hear on a propaganda channel through you know, your face hole into the phone at me. If you want to discuss a broader idea about where we're at now with it as a doctor... But it's a Chinese virus. All right. You know, I don't know if I can ever talk to you again. So economic deprivation, economic collapse, desperation in the streets, broken spirits, hundreds of thousands of unemployed people, angry people, desperate people. Are you angry and desperate? You want to wear a uniform? What did you do in your civilian life? Branch manager. Would you like to be a uh, commandant? 
What did you do? School superintendent. Hmm. Do you want to run a camp? What did you do? I was a teacher. Would you like to be a reprogrammer? What did you do in civilian life? I was a manager at a slaughterhouse. Are you able to make the jump to people? Everybody gets a hat. You're going to look good in that uniform. Can't afford clothes anymore. We'll feed you. Oh, you're not really cut out for that kind of thing? Well, we can put you to work in one of the state-owned factories. I'm sorry, is that too dark? I can end on an up note. Kinda up. Something gave me faith in the humans. Recently, I was on my hike. I was with Al Madrigal and Rory Scovel, heading up the hill. Three clowns. <laughs> Three clowns outdoors. And a guy walking down the hill was like delicately holding this little bunny. There's a lot of bunnies up on the hills right now. A lot of bunnies. And it's a little sort of sad looking, wet looking bunny. A sick bunny. The guy was holding a sick bunny. This man walking down the hill with a sick bunny. And we're like, oh, what happened? He's like, it's sick. I, I want to, I'm going to bring it home and uh, make it better and then let it out. It's a nondescript accent, not being racist because I'm not identifying it. But he had one. So... We were like, oh, that's that's nice, that's nice. But it was just like, in these times, you know, whatever he's going through, whatever we're all going through, you know, that moment where he saw this sick bunny and he decided to do that, well, I don't know what success he'll have, but the spirit of that, the action of that, the heart that goes into that, he's carrying that bunny down the hill. And I and I, I had read that there was this a bunny plague. I felt bad because I didn't need to bring that up, but I did. I said, I heard that there there's a lot of sick bunnies around. And he said, oh, can I get it? I'm like, I don't think so. And I felt bad. I should just let it be. I don't even know if he can get it. But like, it was so nice that there was something he could do. It was something he could do in that moment. I'm going to help this bunny. I'm just saying, look, if you can help a bunny and use it as a metaphor, okay? Use it as a metaphor. All right. Strap in for some Jew stuff. Uh, American Pickle premieres on HBO Max on August 6th. That is the, uh, the film that Seth is in. And this is me and Seth Rogen coming up. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts.
Hello. There's a Jew. There's a Jew if I've ever seen one. <laughs> what are you talking about? Pin him. Oh, I see. So I can just see him. This pandemic has turned everyone into my grandparents. <laughs> Me and my wife spent 10 minutes trying to get on Instagram live today. So yeah, it's it, it's everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, so you were trying to do it too? Yes. <laughs> that, how was that one a problem? That's it. You just have to push a button. I We couldn't figure it out. <laughs> did, you, did you get on there? We did it. We did our thing. <laughs> I got uh, into a a, pro, a rabbit hole with Amazon today. How'd that go? I don't know how it went. You know, it's like I got. <laughs> did you buy anything on Amazon today? Uh, no, I have not bought anything off Amazon today. Is that, but yeah. but you have recently, right? Yesterday, how? I mean, oh, I see. Yeah, pretty much every day. I buy every day. <laughs> yeah that's exactly so like today the guy comes up and he gives me two packages and one is um uh, my oyster shucking gloves great yeah and the other one was an empty envelope that was supposed to contain my oyster shucking knife <laughs> yeah that and, and he was just okay with that <laughs> no he got he ran off before i could get him it's probably in his fucking truck just now now it's but now it's a problem now i i got an empty envelope i have no oyster knife i got five oysters that are going to be an issue later i'm gonna have to get a screwdriver you get a rock or a screwdriver or some shit have you ever eaten oysters at your house i've done it at a friend's house who shocked them and it was uh impressive and i don't think i could have done it myself it was a i tried i tried one and i i was like I, this is not for me i saw a guy put the uh oyster oyster shucking knife through his fucking hand yeah that's exactly what i would have been that guy <laughs> again not a Jews were not meant to do that that is it is not that's why that's why oysters aren't kosher because they knew we, we couldn't do that thing. they knew it was too challenging for us to open the shell physically demanding for us <laughs> well, you know you know that whole thing that whole jew that whole stereotype about jews not being able to do things is not really true and i think that movie that you were just in that i just watched is a testament to that it's true old jews can do stuff there were there was a time where jews were like when i worked at a deli did you ever do that no my great uh my great aunt owned a kosher butcher shop in new jersey though so i would, really uh, where in new jersey in newark near newark Really? That's where my people come from. That's the fucked up thing. Anyways, I'll get to yeah. that. Hold on. <laughs> when I worked in a deli when I was in college in Boston, for some reason it really blew my mind. These old Jews would come in and they were ex-cops, plumbers. Yeah. My grandfather was a plumber. I come from a line of like very tough blue collar Jews as well. My grandfather was a professional. He played professional football in Canada and he was a plumber. His yeah. brother was an electrician. My great grandfather on the other side was a mailman. And like they were tough. And that yeah. was that was a lot of actually where the idea for the movie came from. Simon Rich, the writer, was like, I was looking at an old picture of my grandfather when he was my age. And I couldn't help but think that if we knew each other, he would fucking hate my guts and probably beat the living shit out of me. <laughs> and that's like exactly. And my grandfather. He, they were nice to me, but you could tell, like, he thought I was soft and, like, was physically <laughs> tough on me. Yeah. And, like, uh, in general, like, yeah, they, they, they that was a tough, those were tough Jews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, well, I've, I've, I've always had a theory about it, that there's the, um, the stocky sort of proletariat peasant Jew, and then uh -huh. there's the, um, the composer Jew, the, yeah. the, the math Jew. Yeah. And 
I'm I'm definitely not a math Jew, and I don't think no. you are either. Yeah, you know, whatever's happened to you to make you soft mentally, I don't know. But <laughs> no, physically, I'm big. I, I I come from a big people. I'm a yeah. large Jewish person. For you're sure. like uh, from the the James Con Jew. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's the, and then there is Gene Hackman, who is a singular Jew. In is he that, a Jew? Gene Hackman is Jewish. Yeah. Are you serious? Have you checked that? When did you check I, that I, last? Got to be checked. How about I look right this second? I, I think I, he must be Jewish. <laughs> I don't. I think you're. I don't think you're. I think you're wrong. I don't want to hurt your feet. I don't want to hurt. Is he you. not? I. I don't know. I never thought he was a Whoa, Jew. He's never... not Jewish. Wait, uh, no, he's not. Yeah. Sorry, wow. man. Sorry. He stole a Jew. Well, it makes sense because what I was going to say is he seems too intimidating and scary to be a Jewish person. But that makes James Kahn the scariest Jewish person of yeah, all. Yeah, he's definitely up there. You know, James Kahn. Yeah. And, and I've talked to his son. I think in real life, he's relatively scary. I think he's. There you go. You, he's, that, that, that's good. He's, a, he's that kind of Jew that hangs out with gangsters. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. James Kahn's lucky Gene Hackman's not Jewish because that makes him the 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 best jew <laughs> yeah yeah and his father was a butcher cons there you go no i i classify jews as kind of soft jews and sinewy jews mm. like i think that's like a category of the like, wiry jew yeah like like uh like madonna like like like, like israelis are very like they're sin they're like leathery and like they have they're their tough muscular, though man they're tough they're veiny and muscular and sin yeah no i would call i i put them in like a tough category yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't fuck around. No, Israelis like aren't going to put up with our fucking middle class. No, you know <laughs> Jew bullshit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they don't like that shit. No, it's like it's ridiculous. They don't even want to. They don't even care if we're religious. You know what no. I mean? It's like they, all they want to know is that do you believe we can kill them? Or exactly. Do you think, Where do you stand on all this? Yeah. Do you think they deserve a country, or can we exactly. kill them? Yeah. I haven't got I haven't gotten along with an Israeli in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever gotten along with an Israeli. So no, I, but, at, my, at my Jewish summer camp, there were Israeli counselors who were fresh out of the army, and they were psychotic, and they would torture us. So really, I, I never. Yeah, <laughs> was it a sleepaway Jewish summer camp? It was. Yeah, because I went to a Jewish day camp. Yeah. And then I went to a very non-Jewish sleepaway camp. I went to a Jewish sleepaway camp where the goal was essentially to get young Jewish kids to fuck one another to make more Jewish kids, I think. Really at that age you had to find or or was planting, it just planting the seeds? <laughs> was it it wasn't just a sort of experiment, you know, and, and I mean a lot of people my sister met her husband there. A lot, weirdly a disproportionate amount of people I know produce Jewish offspring due to this summer camp. Really? Is this a Canadian summer camp? <laughs> yep. A Canadian Jewish summer camp? A Canadian Jewish summer camp. <laughs> Everyone goes there. But were you there when you were at what age? Uh, like uh like maybe like nine to sixteen or something like that. Oh my god. So it's like every year the same yeah. people. You grow up with each other, you uh -huh. everyone gets laid the first time at the camp. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with other Jews. <laughs> I guess you got it. That's that's the thing when depending where you live. Yeah. Like I grew up in New Mexico, so we had a, you know, there was like, there was, there was only so many Jews. You got to. No, you, it's you got, true. You got, where'd you, you grew up in where? Vancouver, British Vancouver. Columbia. Yeah. But there's a there's lot of not Jews. a ton of Jews. There, no, there's some. They're all yeah. in Montreal, right? Yeah. All on the East coast. Where in New Mexico did you, where did you live? Albuquerque. 
Oh man, I've lived there several times for, for uh, movies months on end. Yeah, for movies and TV shows, we shot the show Preacher there for uh, the first season. Of like, uh, I like it there. I actually yeah. really like Albuquerque, New Mexico. People get the wrong impression of it because, I mean, I don't think they really see the best of it sometimes when they live there. And I guess there's not much there. And I guess it's gotten a little economically depressed since I grew up there. My parents are from Jersey. Yeah, mine too. My dad is from Jersey. My dad is from Newark. Yeah. Yeah, my that's funny because my mother's father was from Elizabeth, and I was just going to say oh, that yeah. the uh, that fucking cemetery in the movie, it, it's exactly like the one my grandparents are buried in 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 Elizabeth. Like there is a Budweiser factory right <laughs> off of the highway, uh, right across from New York. In like you get off in Newark, <laughs> and there's this Budweiser factory, and in the shadow of that is this little old Jewish cemetery. <laughs> You see them as you drive around and it's just like, oh, like yeah. if the people who if the people who spent their life savings on that a hundred years ago knew right. what it had become, right. they would be so bummed out. It's so yeah, it's so upsetting. That was it was very true. That was very true to the it's I think yeah. it's in Linden. It's in Linden, New Jersey. Linden, New Jersey, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely related to that. But the thing about the, the Jews in New Mexico, and I guess in Vancouver, too, is like they, you know, I guess your parents, I think we talked about this a little the last time, you yeah. know, you they, there has to be an effort made, you know, to get all get them all together. They want you For to sure. I went them. to, yeah, I went to Jewish elementary school. And then uh, is your wife yeah, Jewish? I, my wife is Jewish. See, so how, that worked out, I guess. It worked. Huh? And what's funny is I don't care that she's Jewish. And like, like I would have been totally happy marrying a non-Jewish person. It's totally coincidental that she's yeah. Jewish. And it really bothers her when I say that. Like she, she, she yeah. wants her, she wants her Judaism to have some value to me, even though it doesn't in any way. Well, I don't know that you would know if that's true until you did. I don't, I bet you wouldn't be great with a non-Jew. Yeah maybe i'd be okay i feel yeah, you'd like you'd probably be okay but you don't but you don't you know there's not that i i was married to a jew and that didn't work out and yeah. then i was married to a non-jew and that didn't work out either <laughs> so there you go and i used to <laughs> sometimes religion has nothing to do with it <laughs> <laughs> i used to do a joke about it. i said the the only problem with marrying a jew is that means everything you hated about going home is now in your house yeah and I found, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of similarities for sure that it, but there's a familiarity I yes. think to that end, but also like I was a real, I found myself being like kind of a real novelty to some of the non-Jewish women I dated. Like it was yeah. like, like, oh wow. Like, like they'd never been around a funny person before in their entire life before. So, right. but if you're a Jewish person, then you're like, I'm no funnier than your average Jewish person's uncle is. So the, the novelty has not, uh, I don't think that's true. I I think, I think that, I guess Jews communicate a different way. I don't know what the hell it really is, but I mean, I think there's some non-Jewish women who uh, just like Jews. Yeah. That's also a thing. (laughs) And thank God for them. If you go on Pornhub, you find that everything is, is, is someone's into everything. (laughs) Is there a Jew, like a Jew fetish on Pornhub? How would that even play out? Really? Uh, yeah, there are some porn stars who are famously Jewish, and their work is featured as a result of it. <laughs> but do they look Jewish? Would do, Would you like? Uh, you, you mean like they're... you mean men or women? 
<laughs> the men would be easier to pick out probably from a lineup. I know, I know there's a, I know the, yeah, I think Ron no, Jeremy's a Jew. Porn stars. They're they're a female Jew. Yeah, they're a female Jewish porn stars. Who what happened? Sell- Does this part of your brain go like how did that happen? Like uh, <laughs> my answer, it does, and then my answer is like probably super liberal, like very liberal upbringing. <laughs> it's, that's the weirdest thing about Jews in this sort of like you know this chosen people business that's been kind of uh, put on us. Is that yes. there's this there's this sense of exceptionalism, which is kind of weird because that that's what I learned about when I was at the deli. I like I had to wrap my brain around. Of course, there were Jewish plumbers. All these Jews yeah. that come over here first-generation immigrants, how are they going to figure out how to do whatever, going to make pickles like in the movie or whatever? And it wasn't until the second or third generation that they actually started to integrate into the middle class and upper class and make a lot of money. For sure. it's And I think, like, to me, making the movie, like, like my grandmother was born fleeing Poland, fleeing, like, the pogroms in 1919, which is when the movie... How old was she? She passed away in 2000, I think, 15. So she was, like, 94. Six, maybe something like that. Uh, but she was born, yeah. So she was born in 1919 in a caravan, fleeing, you know, people trying to kill Jewish people and coming to America. And like it was, or she came to Canada. She moved to Winnipeg, which is a terrible place. Winnipeg. Um, oh my yeah. god! What a, what a beaten little city that is. My only like reason I could think as to why so many Eastern European Jews went to Winnipeg is that maybe it reminded them of. Eastern the tundra, the <laughs> like maybe it was it was the closest thing to the shtetl they could yeah, find. The barren uh, landscape, exactly. It's a frozen, barren landscape, um, and so yeah, and so it, it was. Yeah, I mean, making the movie, it was like really kind of reenacting my own history in a lot of ways, and it was. I, I, I mean, it made me think of it a percent differently. It's like, oh yeah, like my that's why my grandfather was so tough. Like he grew up at a time, and my grandmother was so tough. Is like they. Everyone hated people beat the shit out of them. You know what I mean? He was, yeah. he had to, he had to fight. They had to, you know, I think a lot, and a lot of people I think don't like, I just conversationally understand that. Like if you meet a Jewish person in America, they're probably here because someone tried to kill their grandparents not that long ago. And like, and we should be in Eastern Europe. Well, that was actually a plan that, that, you know, when the Jews fled the Holocaust to spread out, there was actually an organization that would place Jews in as many different places as possible. I think that's a better strategy. Like, why so they couldn't keep... corral them up again. Yeah, well, you don't keep all your Jews in one basket. I don't understand <laughs> why they did that. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. I totally, uh, I agree with that strategy. <laughs> Spread yeah. them out. And it would be nice to live somewhere that was not a part of the Christian apocalyptic uh, prophecy is also probably a good idea. It's like maybe settle somewhere that you know, the Christians don't think you all have to die in order for the, the yeah. Uh, and then they they want us all to go <laughs> there. They that. need a certain number. They of need Jews. us to go there so we can die. So yeah. the apocalypse. But but right? that but it's nice to know that like you know in the present they need us. There's They're a not... similar. There's some best common vested interest in the yeah. in the meantime. The, the, the Christians. They, they they need us for their their ridiculous vision, and exactly. they're not they're not gun they're not gunning for us. Not the no, Christians. but yes, but luckily it serves our ridiculous like our ridiculous visions are temporarily parallel and aligned with one another. Could you imagine <laughs> living in Israel? Would you ever go live in Israel? No, it would be. Uh, <laughs> it would I'm, be the, I'm the I'm the same way, and we're gonna piss off a bunch of Jews. It's like you know. <laughs> 
for some reason, my mother, who's not religious or whatever, but there's a, her generation, they're kind of hung up on Israel and they find some comfort in it. In it. And I, I've been there and I'm like, I can't I, I couldn't imagine living here. No, it's there are nice Tense. parts. And, and I think you like for like I could imagine like, yeah, like you, at best you are convincing yourself that you are far enough away from a major conflict to not worry about it. Right. Which is like a terrible thing to convince yourself of. And like, I don't understand. To me, it just seems very like an antiquated thought process. Like if it is. For religious reasons, I don't agree with it because I think religion is silly. If it is for truly the preservation of Jewish people, it makes no sense. Because, again, you don't keep something you're trying to preserve all in one place, especially when that place has proven to be volatile, pretty, pretty volatile. You know, I'm trying to keep all these things safe. I'm going to put them in my blender yeah. and hope that that's the best place to <laughs> that. That'll do it. Like it, it just it doesn't make yeah. sense to me. And so I, I, I and, and I also think that as a Jewish person, like I was fed a huge amount of lies about Israel me my too. Entire, Your entire life. life. You know, yeah. they never tell you that. Oh, by the way, there were people there. They make it seem like it was just like they're sitting there. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. the fucking was, doors I, open. I, Hours for the taking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it literally, they forget to include the fact to every young Jewish person, basically like, oh, by the way, there were people there. Well, they just want to make sure that you are frightened uh, of your own survival to the point where when you get old enough, you will make sure that uh, that money goes to Israel and that trees are planted and that uh, yeah. you always speak highly of Israel and Israel must survive no matter what. Yeah. And I don't understand it at all and i think like for jewish people especially who are thought you know who view themselves as progressive and who view themselves as analytical and who view themselves as people who ask a lot of questions and really challenge the status quo like you know what are we doing well yeah i mean well there's that there's a thing i mean i'm even i get frightened to talk about it you know you start i know (laughs) and we're afraid of jews I'm afraid of Jews. <laughs> I'm 100% afraid of Jews. Oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Which, as we started it, aside from James Kong, we have no one to be afraid of. Yeah. yeah. No, it's those Republican Jews, buddy. <laughs> no, it's scary. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, but, but uh, like, we're Jews. We can say whatever we want about it. Like, we should, if anyone could say whatever the fuck they want about this shit, it should be too famous Jewish people yeah. who, you know, if anyone's getting rounded up first, it's our fucking asses, you know? <laughs> like, we we are we are outwardly Jewish. Yeah. So, I think like... But I find that, but don't you find that, like, like when I watched the movie, I thought like, wow, this is really, I mean, they're, they might be over-Jewing it. Well, um, it is a very Jewish film. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, like, who is the audience for this? Do they, are they, are, how old are they, you know? I mean, not in a bad way. Know. But no. but but it's very it's specific. Speci- it's very specific, and it's sort of like almost a throwback to yeah. uh, to movies when you know Jews had some you know cu- cultural profile. It's like it's like for those few years when Australians were really cool, yeah, right. in like the, yeah, the right. early nineties. Yeah. Like yeah, it's this- like it's like when Yahoo Serious was famous. Um, You're bringing it yeah. back. You're bringing it back. I'm bringing it back to the Yentl, uh, yeah. like crossing the land. Exactly. Uh, yeah, right. That era. Yeah. Late seventies, um, early eighties. It is specific, but I do think that it, there's like you know the themes are pretty universal. No, no, I, I think, think that's true. Know. But do you? I felt like you know when I see that, and and I felt it like in my last comedy special too. That for some reason, even as frightened as I may be 
of of fascists and anti-Semites, I, I I almost feel like I have to overstate my Jewishness uh, to yeah. in order for other Jews to be like, all right, well, someone's taking the hit, and you know we can all, you know, I I can meet him halfway, maybe, you know, maybe not exactly. at work, you know, but I I do think it's important to represent for sure, and Jews don't like it when you deny your Jewishness, which for me would be a ridiculously futile <laughs> endeavor, I think, <laughs> um, and I think that. And that is what's complicated about being Jewish. And I think, you know, it's something that I've reconciled. And I think the movie, well, it was one of the things I was interested in the movie is like, unlike other religions, like you could find a corpse and determine whether or not it was Jewish. You know, like it, it doesn't work like that with with being a Methodist. Like you don't know what that person like. What because of Jewish, what circumcision or the no of our or, DNA? Because uh, like oh, if DNA, you do a right. DNA test, you come back as Jewish. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. come back as uh, you know. Like, right. You come back as an Ashkenazi Jew. It's weird, know? right? Did you get that? I was I I was. Uh, yeah, mine just came back Jew. Yeah, ninety. Yeah, exactly. A hundred thousand percent Jew. Don't fuck your wife. You're probably cousins. Um, but I think uh, no, and, and I think that is what's different about other religions is being being Jewish is inextractable from us. Right, it is our literally our DNA comes right. back Jewish. <laughs> That's what it says on the DNA test. And if you're a Baptist, they don't know that. It's your belief system. It's not who you are. That's interesting. It is Why? something you believe. But being Jewish is not exclusive to. You don't have to believe in Judaism to be Jewish. I no, don't. Right. I, I believe. I believe. Like, let's round down and say I believe zero of Judaism. Yeah. I'm still Jewish. <laughs> I can't help it. I just am. Right. It's, my DNA comes back Jewish. You but know? do you think and there's that, something think, about that DNA that? Uh, that whether you believe zero, I mean, what does it really mean to believe zero Jewishness? I mean, it, you know, you, you, there's something about the the sort of legacy you are and the the sort yeah. of like you know, the way of speaking that tumbles down through generations. Sure. The and, inherited, the trauma inherited through our DNA, I think is also yeah. definitely a big part of it. Um, yeah, I think like it's not like being neurotic is not like a genetic, you know, it's that that's like, you know, inherited, I think. Um, but also like there's a, a premium put on, on education and on survival and on, yeah. you know, a certain amount of, uh, of uh, wariness you know, uh, and, and, you, you know, I think there was something touching in the movie just because that character that you play, that isn't the, the one that was the old Jew, yeah. uh, you know, you know, comes to some sort of, uh, moment with his, with his, uh, Jewishness at the end. And it was, it was kind of touching. Cause like, I, I, I think we're, you're probably more Jewish than you think in terms of, uh, actual uh yeah how deep the ritual is written into you for sure and i think also as i get older i appreciate that religion you know specifically revolving around death like judaism has a lot of protocol that is helpful you know and it kind of forces just, you uh, to dude it's it. like yeah i just i went through it with the death of someone else who was not jewish but it was like you know like jews like you get the body in the ground yeah, you, know, like you, you got two days, you know, then and you and you you physically bury it yeah. yourselves <laughs> in a wooden box. Don't fuck with it, you know. Yeah, and then the shiva thing, you, you know, is really kind of powerful, for sure. And 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 it happens fast. And what I've seen, my wife's, uh, my wife Lauren, uh, her mother passed away earlier this year. And what I saw was like 
it puts you to work and it forces you to do stuff and it forces you to confront it and it forces you to be around people and talk to people and it eat. is it forces you to it eat. forces you to eat and drink and it, and and it is religion but yeah. it, it was one of those things where i was like oh this is like a very a very useful tool that religion has created around a very painful thing and 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 a lot of thought was put into this and it's actually you know for everything i could say say about like as silly as Noah's Ark is that this is not silly. This is actually like yeah, practical. a very well thought out practical protocol to do after someone dies. And whether you believe it in or not, it like is useful, you know? Um, and I think that's also something that, you know, because I was, I went to Jewish school and I went to synagogue and you realize that, Oh, I was brainwashed and kind of just taught a lot of things that I don't believe. And I was never really given the choice to make these choices, you know, decisions for myself. You, you, you drastically kind of revolt against it for a while. And then now I'm kind of in the last few years have more been in the phase where it's like, okay, I like, yes, there's a lot that I, should not have ever probably been told to take as seriously as I did. But but what uh, will you talk? Because, I mean, I was brought up like conservative Jew and I don't remember, you know, I kind of we learned a little bit of Hebrew. I learned to read Hebrew. I did the yeah. prayers. But like, I don't remember, you know, ever being afraid of God or taught to pray in any real way. I don't know what I was. No, really... That's true. So like, what did I really learn? I mean, like I have no practical relationship with God. I mean, like, it seems like with Jesus, they're like, you know, Jesus died yes. for your sins and, you know, you ask for forgiveness and there's, it's a very kind of A plus B equals, you know, you get to heaven. With Jews, it's sort of like, who are we talking to? You know, like. No, it's true. But I do remember, well, but that was a funny thing though, because I think when you're young in Jewish school, they do kind of lay it on. And I was pretty young, but I remember like, I remember like my sister who's only three years older than me like being like oh none of this is like I don't believe in any of this shit and I was like what and then she's like mom and dad don't even really believe in this shit do you realize like we're not doing any of this stuff and I was like oh wow like I'm being taught and and that is just like uh, I mean it's like the tooth fairy it's like anything it's like oh you're just I was taught things that were never meant to come to fruition or be real in any way shape or except form. to and, remind you at your age now that maybe there's something to it <laughs> no and then yeah and then i get to it now and i'm like oh for these very adult things that i wasn't dealing with at the time yeah, yeah. Things like death and it, there's actually a lot of useful stuff to it um i just honestly israel is the thing that i was that i look back on and look at as like maybe that was the thing i was like most misinformed about Sure. Like, I think the religious stuff, there are, I can reconcile it more, like with what we're talking about right. now, there are tools, but like with, you know, I think like just specifically like Israel and Palestine, like that was stuff that like I was, and not because of my parents or anything. I think just like culturally, yeah. it was not in the conversation of the average Jewish family to really get into the specifics of what was happening yeah, over you don't, there. You don't know? question Israel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's true. And also, like, I remember being shown Holocaust movies, the the movies, oh, yeah. like, and, and that was a bit of brainwashing probably for to for the better, where you're just sort of like this, this happened. It, 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 you can never forget it. It was horrible. And these are this is the pile of shoes. Here's all the hair. This is the exactly. bitch with the bodies in it. That's, you know, never well, again. I got to say, though. In my parents actually always did instill. I remember my dad, when I was very young, when my dad very frankly telling me like, "People hate Jews." Yeah, just 
be aware of that. They they just do. And it's honestly something that I am so glad was instilled in me from a young age, because if it wasn't, I would constantly be shocked at how much motherfuckers hate Jews, because they do. And it is... It is pervasive and it is prevalent and it is too many Jewish people so confounding that they don't assume it's true. Right. And I think that that is something that I that I'm honestly glad was always very much instilled in me because it's true. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting that it's confounding because hating Jews is as old as Judaism. (laughs) I know. It was the second thing that happened. Uh, yeah, like it's so and it's institutionalized in some other religions. Yeah. In it's, a way. It's super uh yeah, it, it's really bizarre and I think it's something that I've also like you know, put it like put a, tried to put a lot of thought into why it, it happens and you know, well, I I know like, why it happened. It was because I mean, I know part of it. Part of it was because the Jews were, you know, not allowed to participate in a lot of cultural things and 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 things that, uh, you know, required like um, they were kind of pushed into a position. They couldn't own property. They couldn't do this. So they learned other skills and those skills became necessary for other people to exist. (laughs) Banking, you know, like like education. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they just sort of like, you know, these these smart asses who are managing our money. And I also think like. You know, people obviously hate people who do not look like them. But I think and I think people also have a weird fear of people who look like them, but do not believe the same thing they do fundamentally. And I think that is like it's it's funny, though, like I can I can get mildly anti-Semitic with guys that are too Jewy where I'm like, there's some people where I'm like, you can turn down a little bit. You know, you're like, you know, you're why. Oh, for sure. You're you're the reason. (laughs) exactly (laughs) you know like we're we're all you know you can be who you are but it seems like you're overdoing it a little i think you're milking no for sure and anyone who's like super like people who are like anyone who's too militant or extreme about anything like needs to fucking pipe it you know it's not not even militant it's just those guys that are like i don't know should we go to the thing or not go to the? yeah exactly yeah you're not doing us any favors there either but yeah the very yeah the very um yeah that just like please for the love of god where did where did you meet your wife at that camp or no no i uh a friend introduced us we uh a long time ago yeah we met at uh we met at we met at el cid where at el cid, el cid the mexican restaurant on oh Sunset. really yeah. uh-huh was it a special event because no one really it was a birthday there. it was oh, actually yeah. whitney cummings's birthday party oh okay um 15 15 years ago wow years ago. No uh-huh. kidding. So she was in the uh, comedy orbit. Yeah, she um, went to. Yeah, she. Uh, well, she actually worked. I worked on the Ali G show. And right. The guy who worked on that with me was dating a good friend of hers who oh. she had gone to film school with. But she worked for Robert Zemeckis at the time that we started dating. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Uh huh. So that. So what's she doing now? She's a writer uh, and uh, director. Um, yeah, she's made a film for Netflix. She wrote another film. Which one? Did I see it? Is it out yet? I don't know. I, it's called Like Father with uh, Kristen Bell and Kelsey Grammer. Um, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll check it out. Check it out. <laughs> so here's my question, though. You know, we know what's going on. You know, you're you're a politically active person. 
and uh, you're Canadian, and and, oh, yeah. and I, I read an article that you're slowly buying up most of the Hollywood Hills. So <laughs> let me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but like, so you're really digging in. I mean, I would maybe I'm a different kind of Jew than you, but like for me, it's like I would kill to have Canadian citizenship. I don't know what they're <laughs> don't you you're buying up all this property, and it's like you might have to go back to Canada next year, buddy. I I, I, all, I have an apartment in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My parents are there. My sister's there. I, uh, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity for me in Canada. I don't think I would leave them. I mean, things would have to get very bad for me to leave America. I mean, you we'll, love we'll it here. I do. I mean, and I appreciate like I've I've benefited so much from living in America that yeah. I, my instinct is to not leave it as soon as things get rough here. You know, um, like I, I have a lot of American friends who actually reach out to me. I'm sure half joking, half not like, you know, any Canadians I could marry, you know, like. But my instinct is like we can't like. And like things would have to get very bad in order for me to leave this country, and they're pretty yeah. fucking bad. Yeah, are you not, I was going to say, are you yeah. not watching I the same like, uh, programs it, I am? It's still, it's not. I'm still here. I'm yeah. not. I'm not leaving yet. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't. You know, I don't know what leaving like personally it might make me a little more comfortable, but I don't think it would do any like grand <laughs> good necessarily. And I think like again, as someone who I'm half American, I've lived here forever. I just don't know. If like my instinct is to not leave right now. Yeah, right. So, but but your father, like he's out. You grew up. He left New Jersey and went to Canada when he married your mother. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Well, my parents hilariously met in Israel on a kibbutz. <laughs> really? When they were like in their twenties, early twenties. Yeah. They were doing the kibbutz thing, like they were doing their bit. They they, they were, were doing the thing. They were just kind of hippies, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and like, um, yeah. My mom's from Vancouver, and then my dad like went back to Vancouver with her. Oh. So what now? What I think we talked about it a little bit the last time. Your dad was a, he's a is it what what does he do? Your mom's a social worker. You'd... My mom's a social worker. My dad uh, never he was he's always been like outwardly against the concept of work and careers in general. Um, he never like he's worked in nonprofits basically in like whatever. So he kept role. that. Uh, that that hippie ideology you know you just exactly kinda... but he was never like he was always outwardly like work sucks do not try to gain your identity through your job which is ironic because it's a thousand percent what i've done with my life <laughs> but it was not what he uh instilled in me in any way yeah but but that yeah, but you know but like but your job was self-dictated after a certain point it's not like, you're like sure. god damn it i gotta make another movie that i'm producing yeah exactly <laughs> and, and they were very supportive of me as well so um that was nice and probably how do you make a living then the, um, the my dad he worked at uh again like he when i was a kid he worked at the game room of in the game room of the vocational school in vancouver <laughs> um and uh the game room my, like where the video games were literally like like if you went to the vote vcc vancouver vocational college like if you wanted to like use the ping pong table. He would give you the paddles <laughs> or, uh, uh, and I remember this, I would go to work with him as a kid. And I remember like hanging out in the game room and because it was a vocational school, I would get haircuts uh, like as a kid from the people learning to be hairdressers. And I remember once a guy with no ear cut my hair, which was very distressing to me. Um, and I don't know why it was distressing because odd, the odds that he was trying to cut his own hair and cut his own ear. No, it was still, it was symbolically distressing for some reason. <laughs> yeah. You never forget the first time you see a guy with no ear. 
No, and, and when he's cutting your hair, it's alarming. Was it yes. a fresh wound, or was it like a? It, it, it was scarred over, but it was not like it seemed like last last, last six months. I would say probably. <laughs> <laughs> so your dad was a guy that sort of like don't bang the paddles on the table. Exactly. Yeah, and then he became like the bookkeeper at what was the Vancouver Coalition of People with Disabilities, which was like a nonprofit organization that helped people with disabilities, and he helped run their books. Huh. Um, He's like, he dropped out of Rutgers. Like, he's not a, you know, really? he, he did not have, like... I My mean, dad went degree. to Rutgers. There you go. Was your father in the Zeta Beta Tau fraternity? I don't think he was. My dad is not a fraternity <laughs> type. <laughs> he fenced. He was a. He was one of the, he was like the third best state in the state uh, for fencing. And I think he won some championships. The fencing hippie who doesn't want to work. I like it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that old... Uh, the Z, the yeah. ZBT... Zeta Beta Tau was called, a, a, I, I imagine by anti-Semites, a Zionist banker's trust. It was a <laughs> Jewish fraternity. Sounds about right. <laughs> so since I last saw you, I mean, you've done a lot of stuff. I mean, like what, how, the animation business, that seems like it's going to be pretty lucrative in the future when, because uh, we're never going to be able to touch each other again. Right, exactly. How did, so. how did that sausage party movie do? It did really well. Uh, it made like a hundred million dollars uh, <laughs> in the theater. Yeah, um, which is crazy. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, we spent a lot of time working on it, so I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it did. But uh, no, we have plans to try to do more uh, R-rated animation, and we're doing kids animation now as well, um, which is hilarious. Like, um, what do you got going? We're doing. We're producing uh, a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie huh. um, for Nickelodeon, um, and uh, yeah, uh, some more things like that. But how does that work in in terms of like? Is that sort of like you know Seagull doing a Muppets movie? How do you get? How do you get access to the Mutant Ninja Turtles? Um, we some things just happen with like a phone. Like it's funny. There's some things that I've been working like tirelessly for years to try to become a part of, and it still is not materialized. And then some things are like this. We're like Ryan Robbins is the head of Nickelodeon. Around 20 years ago, he was a producer, and he was one of the first producers to read Superbad, and we very much got along. And then, like, I got a phone call one day, and he was like, "I'm the head of Nickelodeon. Want to make Ninja Turtles?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, and and so yeah, now we're now we're producing Ninja Turtles as a result of that. And are you writing it? I'm I'm like producing. No, uh, I'm like helping write it as a producer and being pretty annoyingly hands on <laughs> throughout the writing process. Were you a fan when you were a kid? Yes, I was obsessed with it. I watched like every episode of it. Oh, yeah. really? Because so those those characters are so defined, right? Like yeah, they, they are defined. Yeah, there's a there's a party dude. There's the leader. There's a nerdy guy, and there's a petulant, uh, rebellious guy. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you need. <laughs> and what other what other what live action ones you got going? Um. I mean, we have a lot of things that are now just kind of on ice and we'll see what happens. We haven't filmed anything that has not come out. Like the American Pickle was the only thing we had like produced that. Actually, The Boys, season two of The Boys. We have a TV show on Amazon um, called The Boys that's like a superhero show. Uh -huh. um, and the second season of that is coming out um, in September, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, we haven't. Those are the only like un. Those are the only like produced things that we ha we haven't released, and everything else we were like about to start shooting some stuff, but we 
now will maybe not shoot that stuff for right years. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? No, the, the American the, um, the pickle movie. What's it called again? An American pickle. An we a- call it the pickle movie. We uh, refer to it as the okay. Pickle the movie. pickle movie. The American pickle. <laughs> there was a day where I was bothering everyone at my company and being like, "Can we just call it the pickle movie? <laughs> is that weird? I know, like maybe like Kentucky, like move like movies with the word movie in it is maybe a not a great look and does not have like an incredibly wonderful history. <laughs> but I, I, my instinct was to call it the pickle movie. <laughs> and was it was it actually based on a book or no? Yeah, it's based on a novella, like a, like a short story by that uh, Simon Rich wrote. That was in the New Yorker um, many years ago, seven, eight years ago. And it, 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 so, like, what what did you take from that? Was, like, what points of the story? I mean, I guess I could just read it, but I was curious about, you know, kind of like, you know, with any of these comedies that are a little broader, you got to suspend a certain amount of disbelief, yeah. you know, for story points, right? You Definitely. know, obviously, we're going for the. You cannot be pickled, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I concede at the beginning. Yeah, but that's like, but it's funny. But um, but is that what? What was the story about? Was it exactly that? Well, the story Simon wrote from his own perspective, and it was about his as though he met his own. Uh, well, he wrote it from the Herschel character's perspective, but he was Herschel Rich from the old grandfather. Guy. Great grandfather of Simon Rich, okay. the writer of the story. Oh, I get story. it. I so, get it. Right. Oh, um, interesting. So, yeah. So, but there was the fundamentals were very similar. Um, and the I think the thing that we really leaned into when we were making the movie was like that was not as big a part of the short story was this idea of like grief and like that to me became kind of the most interesting and original weirdly (laughs) um you know like all plot conventions aside like it became something that like i always like to think like it's nice to at least to yourself be able to justify that you were doing something that is not done a lot or you cannot think of many examples or that or that that shallow yeah exactly yeah and so i was i i was I, i was like I, there's not a lot of movies about grief and it's something that everyone experiences and it's something that as as just a movie fan, it's not something I could think of like a ton of movies that like really dive into the subject of right. loss and moving on and right. and reconciling that and how people deal with it and yeah. legacy and what what we leave behind and and to me that beca- and that's not a huge part of the short story, but it became something that to me was was just really fascinating and 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 a subject that was just really worth exploring well yeah so you like as a producer you saw this story and you sat down with the writers and you said what about this or what no simon actually uh came luckily he envisioned it as a movie with me like the first time i ever hosted saturday night live was his first episode as a writer on saturday night Live, Uh and we were both much younger than everybody else um, that was there at the time. It felt like there were some people around our age, but we felt very young and inexperienced comparatively, you know? Um, and so we kind of bonded and then the short story came out and a lot of people liked it, but I think people maybe thought it was too weird to be a movie, but we talked to him about it and he was like, I picture it as a movie and I picture it with you. And I picture you playing both characters also. Um, and and it took me a long time to wrap my head around whether or not that was a terrible idea or not. And eventually kind of uh, many, and, and, and the script, it was a hard movie to crack. Like the tone is weird and, 
it, it was something that I wanted to spend a lot of time making sure we got right. And like, I, I do, I slow down the process always, like more than anything. What was the I'm concern? Like, just that it would be silly or stupid or then like to me as just an actor playing two roles, I didn't want to subtract from what I thought might be like a potentially powerful film by doing something gimmicky or just kind of silly. You know, I didn't want it to be perceived as self-indulgent. That's always something I'm just horrified of, you know, even though I constantly am doing it. So I think like all that was, you know, people just writing mean things about me is generally (laughs) the concern I have before I, before I do anything. Can you avoid Um, that though as a Jew? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I I can, I can mitigate it best I can. In this culture that we're living. But I find that interesting that, because now that, you know, you bring it up because the, I think you did a great job separating the roles and emotionally and that like i you know now that you say what you're saying because like you know i get hung up on things where i can see where the comedy bits are and i can see where you make leaps but but you know it really does become about you know about family and about his you know missing his whole life and you know missing his wife's life and you know his feelings about her and going to that grave and that being you know sort of the beginning of this important journey he's got to go on and then you having these dead parents yeah and that like uh, it was interesting like this idea of you know what our grandparents hoped our lives would be like yeah and how they would have to recalibrate that for today you know like that in and 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 that it's hard for everyone you know and i think that like for the you know if my grandparents were to see how i live they'd probably be very proud of some of the superficial things but there are the fact that i'm not religious i don't speak yiddish these kinds of things would be appalling to them and then slowly they would probably have to kind of like recalibrate <laughs> what they hoped their future generations would become and and see that i'm a happy you know hopefully Reasonable. You think they'd be upset you didn't speak Yiddish? My grandmother, she, her, I mean, probably a little bit. Like they, uh, they were, you know, they, they, like she would always say, "You think you're a big shot?" That was one of her favorite uh, sure. things to say. To me, you know, so my like, grandparents used to speak Yiddish when they didn't want us to understand what they were talking. Exactly, about. but they like to like. I think the things that they had, there's more of them that they wish that we did. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because it's all gone now. It's like it's over with them. If our generation, you're younger than me, if we don't keep it moving, it's over. I mean, you know, for sure. The delis are closing. All that generation, you know, of of those kind of uh, uh, traditions or or just even habits, you know, (laughs) you know, like the the, because like I still sometimes somehow it's infused in me. You know, where it's sort yeah. of like I, you know, I can appreciate, you know, a good brisket, good pastrami, a good corn. Because you just aren't Jewish. Again, if we if I found if I found your body in an alley somewhere, yeah. I could determine you were a Jewish person <laughs> by the cholesterol level and by the, by the brisket in your in your gullet. <laughs> right. But no, but like that whole thing, I, I was always fascinated with that generation. They were it was a fast and my grand like again, the character is very much what my my grandfather was born in canada but he was a hard man <laughs> and he was a tough man and and for sure if we were both 37 years old 
he would not have liked me. He would have <laughs> physically <laughs> a- assaulted me, likely, you know, like, and, and that's Wait, did you, something you knew he barely him? liked me as his own grandson. And right. he had to because I was his grandson, right. you know, right. um, like once when I was very young, I had like, uh, I stubbed my toe and my toenail cracked a little bit and yeah. he ripped off my entire toenail <laughs> in an attempt. And I had to go to the hospital. Like it was, it was like a big, it was like a big thing, you know, um, <laughs> And, and that was like his approach. So you, that, he you was, know? he was a scary man. He was, but he was also funny and he was like lovely and, and, and he had a good sense of humor, but, and for sure, as he got older, he like mellowed out. Definitely. Yeah, sure. But I also like, he could rip an apple in half with sure. his bare hand. Right. Like, right. That was like a trick he would do. Like he was, he was a tough guy. Yeah. So, yeah it, well, I like that, that part where, you know, the, where the older generation, the, the ancient Jew can't understand your disconnection from the yeah. religion when there's pictures of you at your bar mitzvah where you just, yeah, exactly. he, it just doesn't, he doesn't understand how it's not integrated into your life. Yeah. And how at a time, and again, our grandparents, like he was someone who was going to be killed because he was Jewish. And the only reason he was in America is because he was Jewish. And that's what same thing with my grandmother. Like she, the only reason I exist is because people were trying to kill them. (laughs) And so the fact that that is no longer this like thing you're hanging everything on and is instead like, Oh, like culturally I'm Jewish. It's like one of 20 things about me. Like, uh, you know, I like to play board games. I garden. I'm Jewish. Like I went to baseball camp. I had a bar mitzvah. Like I think that concept for a generation who was, the target of systematic annihilation and had to literally uproot their whole lives and come to where I am because of that targeted annihilation. I think that is something that I would imagine would be hard to reconcile where it's like before Judaism was like, it was everything. If you were a Jewish person, you had to, it dictated a lot of your life and now it doesn't. And I think that, is like a real right but you feel it though you feel it you want to feel we do it's it is a privilege jewish people now have i think in america for the most part compared to previous generations but do you feel that like you know you you understand jews like you know like are most of your friends jewish uh not most of them but i have a lot of jewish friends yeah (laughs) yeah but like do you have childhood like well uh i have friends from summer camp yeah you're still friends Um, with them for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's wild, right? It's wild, and none of us are religious and do anything Jewish. Yeah, I know, you but know but I mean? you but you have an understanding. There's an but understanding. also like not that long ago, there was like thirty fucking Jews on Earth, and so like if you go back like a disturbingly few amount of generations, yeah. we're all related to one another. <laughs> like it is, we are cousins. I guess so. Like, all- wait, wait, how far back have you gone? I I was on that show, you know, the show Finding Your Roots. Oh yeah, he got back six generations. Oh yeah, my family goes. They Rogan is an unchanged last name. Mine is from too. Ukraine. Isn't yeah. that weird? You, Ukraine? Mine too. Yeah. From Galicia, but my that's the my, other side. My my Marin's actually from the Pale of Settlement in Belarus in Russia. Yeah, my grand uh, one side is from Ukraine and from a place called Chudnov, which I think is now in Russia. And my grandmother literally does not did not know where she was born or on what day she was born because she was born like in a caravan fleeing the pogroms. Wow. You should get on that show because they do a good job. 
No, I would love to. They'll go all the way back. It was they did a Jew show. It was me and Jeff Goldblum <laughs> and Terry Gross. And I'm sure that, and I'm sure you're all related, not that far back in some capacity, right? I guess, I guess we're related. I don't know. We might have been in the same neighborhood. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if we're related. It's why, why we get we sick. Got... It's why we have all these. It's why we're riddled with disease. <laughs> I mean, I know it seems like the uh, the Orthodox, the Hasidim, are a little tight. Like yeah. they, their their gene pool is so tight that they're actually producing Jews that don't even look like Jews. Like if they. <laughs> Like if they didn't have the getup, you wouldn't know they were Jewish. You know what I mean? <laughs> they've mutated beyond Jew. Exactly. <laughs> they've yeah, they've entered some other thing. <laughs> a whole new Jew. How do you feel about the Hasidim when you like? What is your first reaction when you see them in your mind? Again, not doing us any favors. Uh, <laughs> I also am always thinking about how wizards are clearly based on Has- Hasidic people. Like yeah. what we know culturally as wizards is based on Hasidic people. <laughs> like Gandalf is based on Hasidic people. It's so and- funny. I didn't realize that. Well, they are wizards. You know, exactly. They, they, That's, I, and I get why. <laughs> I a hundred percent get yeah, why. They, they they're the only ones that understand certain things. Yeah, and, you exactly. Know, you've, got to, you've got to be deemed worthy to understand it, but but also you have to be stupid in every other way. Exactly. Um, but but like I, the thing is weird. I used to think that too. They're not doing us any favors on some level, but they ultimately are a community in direct reaction to uh, the Holocaust and that the only reason they're living the life they're living and reproducing as much as they are is specifically to make sure that the world is populated with very Jewish people. Uh, it's what sort of fascinating. I know. <laughs> what, what's our game? What's our end game here? Well, how does <laughs> we need, I hate to break it to Jews. We need non Jews or we yeah. not get a, like, there's a lot of things we are, again, we are not cut out to do ourselves. We, we, we need the help of our non-Jewish friends. <laughs> yeah. I don't have like, you know, I don't, I don't have, I'm not going to have any kids. Yeah, exactly. My, I'm not either. You guys decided that? It's just going that way, and no one's no one's turning against it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't. You didn't have. Let the last. So funny because we listened to the last time I interviewed you, and I was with the. I was uh, deeply uh, enmeshed with a person who Good. I was going. I was slowly surrendering to having children with. But uh, yeah, that, uh, that I got out, buddy. I got. Thank God. No, we <laughs> yeah. don't. Uh, kids. I don't know. Like I, yeah. It seems crazy to me to have kids. For Does so your sister years. have kids? She has two kids. Yes. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> okay. nice. More two more Jews. Count, count them. Put them on the list. But you can you like their you like her kids, right? I do. They're great. Yeah. yeah. Because like for me, I'm just like I can't like right now. If I picture myself with a child, I'm I'm freaking out. Me too. Like, I would. <laughs> I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm like. And Where he, is he? What are they doing? Is he what breathing? Is he doing? Yeah. What time is, is he yeah. eating? Did he eat yeah. as much as he should have? Is he eating too <laughs> yeah. little? Is he eating too right. much? Yeah. And like, and I think about the only like problem with not having kids is like, will you regret it? But like that window is such a smaller window than the regret of having kids. Like you could, reg- I, I, if I had kids now, I could regret it for the next 30 fucking years. If I don't have kids, I'll regret it for like the last few years of my life and then i'll die you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's not right. gonna be like it's not a prolonged thing like but aren't you you're one of those people though like i could you'd be a good father 
I, I, that, and that's not my fear. And me and my <laughs> wife are like, that's not our fear. And like, our friends are always like, you'd be a good, you'd be good parents. We're like, yeah, yeah. no, that's not why we're like, that, like, I hate to break it to you. Like some of the dumbest motherfuckers out there are, are good parents. <laughs> like, sure. It's not, that doesn't mean like, you know, there are, you know, everyone has kids. It's not. What is your fear then? I don't want that. I that I'm happy not having kids, and that I'm. Oh, oh you like you know, cut yeah. in on your you time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, I, right, and, right. And that the world's burning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that my kid is gonna look at me and be like, "Why did you bring me into this fucking shit store? You knew it was bad. Like, yeah, no, it was bad. By the time this shit was happening, you didn't. They'll be able to Google the day they were conceived and be like, "Sure, what? sure. You, you yeah. saw what the fuck was going on. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you fucking bring me here? Yeah, it's like, uh, no, those are the two things we talk about. And my wife, like, you know, Lauren has had, you know, a much sadder life than I have. And there's a, she is a genuine, like, like, life is not always fantastic. And why bring someone into that, you know? Right, right. Is there, is that, is is this a gift that we're giving someone or, or not? You know, I think that. Yeah, believe me, I've definitely thought about that. And the funny thing is, is that like, I've never... And I've been married twice and it was just never a thing that like I, it was, I never thought about doing it. Like, yeah. I mean, I knew I could, but like, I'm like, I'm, it, I'm not compelled people who want kids. They want kids. Yeah. You or know, tons of people just don't even fucking think about it. And it's like, a right. That, right. Do. It's just yeah. what you do. It's yeah. just what you do. And yeah. that, that's like, that's it. I, I can't quite understand that. I, Cause in my mind, it's like, you know, you don't have to, Yeah, you, you there's plenty of people. I don't, don't have people. To. Yeah. And if anything, there are few things worse for people than other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what problems have more people solved? Um, do you have a, <laughs> do you have pets? I have a dog. Yes. That I love very much. Oh, that's nice. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> what well, was great talking to you? What happens now? What are you going to do today? Oh, um, you're done. It's a whole day already. You've been doing this all day with the talking. No, not at all. I don't, oh. I don't, I try to, I, I I use the phrase I'd rather do fewer more impactful things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd rather to me I no I'd rather talk to you for an hour in the day than talk. I don't do a ton of these. I heard I heard a secret. Uh, well, I heard something about you from somebody who had been to your house years ago. Yeah, I just want I want to I want to check it off the list. Was there a, a tunnel? There was. Huh. I, my, yeah, my house had a tunnel that uh, it was, uh, it was a speakeasy and there was a tunnel that went from the backyard into the neighbor's backyard. Wild. Yeah. And, and the front really- door was one of those speakeasy doors, like a giant wooden door with a little like window really? opened up. So yeah, you can see outside. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they had a big, I mean, it smack in the middle of West Hollywood, but it was, uh, it was a speakeasy. That's wild, man. What what else? What else do you know about the the history of the place? That's it. It was built in 1916, I think. And okay, uh, yeah, and it was turned and and during the prohibition, it was a a speakeasy in West Hollywood, and it has a basement. It had a tunnel in the back and a basement, which, especially for houses built at that time, were like non-existent. Basically, so you have a basement. Um, Yeah, I I just yeah, it's lovely. It's tiny. It's enough to hold like uh, I guess some kegs of beer and shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, congratulations on all your success. It was nice talking to you. Always. You too. Thank you so much. Most Jewish conversation of all time. See, we, we don't believe in this shit, but it's all we can fucking talk about. So there you go. Well, I mean, you, you made the movie, buddy. You made the movie. It's true. <laughs> I can't help it. It oozes yeah, I know. from my pores. Um, anyway, Take it easy. you too. Hey, man, if you didn't like Jews before that talk, you probably don't like them now. Or if you wondered if you like Jews, you love them now. Can go either way with the Jews. Uh, American Pickle premieres on HBO Max August 6th. It was a pleasure talking to uh, my brother, Seth Rogen. And now let's, uh, let's play some guitar, not unlike I've played before.